At the Commonwealth Policy Foundation, we try to approach the issues of life, marriage, religious liberty, and fiscal integrity from a biblical perspective that promotes thoughtfulness and kindness. We work with political leaders and concerned citizens from all across the state. To stay informed, visit CommonwealthMatters.org and sign up for our e-newsletter. The Commonwealth Policy Foundation is a nonprofit organization that only exists because of friends like you. Thanks for tuning in to the Commonwealth Matters. Welcome to the Commonwealth Matters. I'm Richard Nelson here with good friend Ron Hicks, and we are talking about the Olympics. Ron, good to have you in the program, man. All right. It's always good to be here. 2022 Winter Olympics. Big deal. Every four years, the Olympics, and of all the nations to host, it's China. China has been in the news. Uh, last several years, they have become more aggressive. They have been found to, uh, to, to violate international norms. Human they rights, they yeah. human rights violations with the Uyghurs, uh, infiltrating. No, 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 not everybody understands that. When you say Uyghurs, people. So the Uyghurs, the Uyghurs are a minority group in China. They're a Muslim minority, mm-hmm. and they practice their faith. They are viewed as a threat to the Chinese government because the Uyghurs believe that the Chinese government is not the ultimate. Mm. They also have practices that the Chinese government doesn't agree with. So as you can tell, they do not have First Amendment freedoms there. In fact, uh, Ron, they ha- they Uyghurs are in concentration camps. Many of them. There's wow. forced labor. Uh, they've been abused. Uh, our country has responded, and we actually Congress passed a law recently prohibiting any goods produced in the area where the region of the country the Uyghurs are cannot be imported to this country. Ron, the Chinese have infiltrated some of our uh, biggest corporations, pirating, trying to hack computer systems, pirating mm-hmm. copyrighted um, you know, materials, mm-hmm. and they've just not behaved well. They're, they've been aggressive towards uh, Hong Kong and now Taiwan, and yet they're hosting the Olympics. Mm-hmm. So uh, the headline of the Los Angeles Times back in December said this, the ugly side to China hosting the Olympics has taken center stage. What happens now? And that's what we're going to talk about, international relations. We're going to talk about how to address another country's human rights abuses in particular. But uh, China is uh, the Chinese government. Let's be more specific. Talking about the Chinese communist government. Mm -hmm. As opposed to the Chinese people. That's right. right. Now, they're unfortunately, they have to live under the hand of the Chinese government. But the Chinese communist government, is not a friend to liberty. They're not a friend to human rights. Well, communism in and of itself is not a friend of, of human rights, individual rights. Right. Mm-hmm. right. Yet they are hosting the 2022 Olympics right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, as a re- result, Ron, there's several um, uh, countries that have boycotted to some extent. In our country has to some extent Joe Biden. President Biden has refused to be in attendance. There. Right. It's called a diplomatic uh, boycott as opposed to the athletes boycott. And so so the United States, we're in full support of our athletes and their endeavors and we're cheering on our athletes. However, um, uh, uh, President uh, Russian President Putin went to the opening ceremonies, but the United States President Joe Biden did not because there's a diplomatic boycott. So we we support our athletes and their efforts, but we're not supporting the the Olympic venue in China. White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki said, "We will not be contributing to the fanfare of their games." That's right. why President Biden didn't attend. Senator Tom Cotton, an Arkansas Republican, very conservative. Went a little further, and he called uh, Beijing's Olympics the genocide games. Mm. Uh, 
you know, and I and this is my question to you, and this mm-hmm. is what I really want us to dig into. Okay. Knowing what we know about the Chinese government and what they're doing right. there, forced labor of the Uyghurs, abusing them, abusing their rights. Uh, we know that they, in the past, this is nothing new. They had the one China policy mm-hmm. for decades, and they would force sterilization. They would force. And you're talking about <clears throat> you're talking about uh, families only being able to have one one child. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. And if a a daughter was born, often that daughter would be killed, or if they found out that it was going to be a daughter, they would they would abort that baby um, because the the family name would die with the daughter, so they wanted to have sons, and so. Uh, yeah, it, uh, oh my, it was, uh, the atrocities that, that followed. Imbalance, by the way, since you brought that up, the male-to-female ratio is skewed. It's in the tens of millions more men than there are women. Usually, it, typically, it's about a 50-50 ratio. I think a few more, just a percentage, a uh, uh, fraction of a percent of more women than there are men born, mm-hmm. naturally. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in China, there are tens of millions of wow. young women who are missing because of forced abortions mm-hmm. and uh, even infanticide mm-hmm. in that country. Uh, so China, the reality is, is they uh, are hosting the Olympics. Now, the Olympic Committee was criticized uh, even years ago when they chose yeah. China to host because we knew. Yeah, because yeah, this is the first rights. time. I, I mean, in the uh, what is this, the in the last 10 years has it been twice or is it 15? I don't know, but but in... Very recently, it's been twice. As a matter of fact, they're, they're, um, they hosted both the Summer Olympics and the Winter Olympics. And the, I think the stadium that they call the Bird's Nest was, is, is one of the few that's hosted both the Summer and the Winter Olympics. Don't quote me on that, but, but I, something like that. So. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi declared that allowing Beijing to serve as a host city this, this winter makes a mockery of the Olympic Charter, which states that the Games should seek to foster respect for universal and ethical principles. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, I have to chuckle when somebody who is disrespectful in their tone many times when they're talking about people that disagree with them, it's just funny when they use terms like respect we'll, and we'll things. We'll, we'll give her a pass. She's right on this point. I know what you're referring to. The image that comes to my mind is probably the same one that comes to your mind was after the president's uh, State of the Union address a couple years ago. Uh, but we won't go there. But she is right. Absolutely. Uh, Nancy Pelosi is right that it does make a mockery of that Olympic charter. And the, pur- and the purpose of the games should seek to foster respect for universal and ethical principles. So how can a nation, Ron... Be the host nation, which is a big deal. I mean, the nations vie to be the host. It's, one, it's a billion dollars in, you know, kind of, kind of industry, tourism and all the rest of that. Well, and, and you know, the, the age-old debate in this whole thing is, um, are we talking about an athletic event or are we talking about a political event? So I think, you know, you have some people that are from the athletic side that are just simply saying, you know, hey, it doesn't make any difference to the politics and all the rest of that. You have an athlete that trains for four, six, eight years, ten years, twelve years, or whatever. Um, you know, should they should they say, "Oh, okay, well, because of the politics of the two nations, I'm not able to fulfill my lifelong dream. Everything I've trained for to be able to go, you know." So, so it, it, it's a bit of a sticky wicket, <laughs> whatever that means. I don't know. There's a history of the political side getting involved sure. with the whole event in 1956. 
there were three European nations that withdrew from those Olympics because the Soviet Union invaded Hungary. Oh, yeah. They had a crackdown. They were mm-hmm. brutal. They mm-hmm. squashed that uh, Hungarian revolution. And so three nations withdrew from them. In 1976, there were 20 African and Arab countries that refused to participate, uh, and that was because of South Africa's apartheid Mm -hmm. policy. They said, Mm -hmm. we're not going to be involved. Well, even uh, Hitler tried to use the games to be able to uh, perpetrate his agenda of a superior race. So, so, so you're right. From the beginning, it's been politicized, you know, and, and, and so... Uh, it's it, your uh, original statement's true it's it's hard to keep the politics and the athletics separate one more example ron is that uh, in 1980 when uh, afghanistan was invaded yeah. by the soviet union mm-hmm. we boycotted we the 1980 uh-huh. summer olympics uh, and in not response, just a diplomatic boycott we did not send any, that's any right. athletes and, right. and that was right. that was hard right. you think about sure. these athletes sure. who trained for years and they uh, were going to represent us, uh, and they uh, mm-hmm. and they did not did not have that opportunity. Uh, in 1984, in response, the Soviet Union withdrew from the U.S. Mm-hmm. Summer Games that were held in Los Angeles. So, to the point about politics, we see the political repercussions and also the political um, fallout mm-hmm. when uh, in interaction when when uh, there's there's a tense situation right. uh, in. Here's what the um, uh, I was going to read what Jen Psaki said. She they were pressed as to why they didn't fully withdraw. Uh, Jen Psaki said this: I don't think that we felt it was the right step to penalize athletes who've been training and preparing for this moment. That's why they didn't fully withdraw. They had the diplomatic boycott, but not a full boycott. Um, so, Ron, when when you have, I, I want to go back to. Uh, a, a nation, a, a totalitarian, authoritarian, human rights abusing nation that's the host of something that's supposed to be an international event that brings people together, right? That's supposed to be devoid of politics. Yeah, just a pure, yeah. Mm-hmm. How do you, how do we, how should we think through, uh, how should we think through that? Well, on a much, much, much smaller scale, but uh, you know the uh, Christians today are faced with, and that, that uh, for, I don't know why this example popped in my mind. Maybe because of recent shows that we've done, but um, a Christian uh, couple invited to a same-sex wedding, um, and um, and they think, okay, it, I I I love the the person, not not their not their sin. Um, uh, and but but if I go, even though I'm opposed to that, if I if I go be, to show them that I love them, even though I disagree, is it going to be seen as condoning that behavior? And and so if they don't go, you know, it, it, it's going to be judgmental. Or if I can be seen, you know, that sort. Of, so so we we kind of make decisions uh, every day based on this. You know, there was a coffee shop that uh, it was rumored that they refused to send free coffee to soldiers. And so people were boycotting that coffee shop, um, you know. So, so we we kind of have this take place in everyday life every day. We do. Uh, so, so when it comes to what you were getting to about um, a couple, somebody mm-hmm. being invited to a same-sex mm-hmm. ceremony, mm-hmm. what it comes down to, and people are going to have a different response. I know my response uh-huh. to that. I think sure. I know yours. Yeah. But it comes down to the bigger idea, the bigger principle of conscience. Mm-hmm. You should not be forced to violate your conscience. Absolutely. So applied to something uh, right. such as the Olympics, 
you, you have a, a nation that is literally forcing people to violate their conscience, right. the, the Uyghur, the Muslim minority group there, in abusing them. Mm-hmm. Um, isn't it forcing us, in a sense, and this may be a stretch, to it violates our ideals, maybe not conscience directly, mm-hmm. but to participate in that? Should mm-hmm. the U.S. government taking a stronger stand. Man, that's a that's a great question. Um, but but you know the risk reward sort of thing, the return on investments, whatever term you ought to use. You know, if it's a four year event, uh, somebody we're talking about somebody being either in their athletic prime or completely past it. And so you you know the government gets involved and they're like, okay, po- politically we don't agree and all the rest of that, so we're going to refuse to send somebody. Basically, you're telling somebody something you've trained your entire life for, dedicated, something that even the United States government has invested in through the training programs and all the rest of that. Oh, by the way, we're just not going to let you do that. Um, But is that okay, though? I mean, if you're you're talking about people that are suffering, they're putting concentration camps. Uh, I think the number is about a million. I don't... Shouldn't have put that out there, no, but it's no, no, a no, significant it. number yeah, of yeah, Uyghurs yeah. that have been persecuted. And I get what you're saying, and and I I think that it's it's uh you know uh, we're free moral agents, but that you know that is a that is a great question, and and you know there are there are many answers to that. Some of which people think, well, let every athlete uh, make up their own mind, and and you know as a country we can diplomatically boycott like we're doing. And allow each athlete to be able to to act in accordance with their conscience, and and um, still, you know, d- does it accomplish? Is it the perfect solution? No, I, I don't think the side of glory there is a perfect solution for anything. But so here's what one athlete said. Okay. This is uh, thank you. Th- this is I'm trying. I'm working <laughs> on it. So uh, ice dancer uh, Evan Bates says this. I can say that human rights violations are abysmal. We are human beings, too. And when we read and hear about things that are happening in China, we hate that. Mm -hmm. So it is bothering uh, some of the athletes. Mm -hmm. Um, Bates did not call for a full boycott, but um, he believed that staging the Winter uh, Olympics in Beijing might shed light on the topic. So there's some upside, right? Right, right. And uh, here's what Luge, uh, Luge racer Tucker West said. It's not my job to decide where the Olympics are, so I'm going to show up to Beijing. So that's another perspective. A lot of different. Well, uh, you know, uh, there's this old, you know, the whole idea of having a seat at the table. So if you think something is taking place that's wrong um, and they're having a meeting to discuss it and you just simply don't show up, you don't have a seat at the table. Your your point of view is not going to be heard and all the rest of that. So I hear this first athlete saying, uh, I completely disagree with the human right violation. If I go, I can participate in the Olympics, but I can also allow my distaste for the violations and all the rest of that to be heard. I have a seat at the table. Um, so, you know, I, I, and that part I understand. That that kind of, that, that fits in my wheelhouse, my way of thinking, yeah. you know. Yeah, no, that's, that's good. Ron, we're going to uh, take a break. We're going to come back and we're going to switch gears and talk about a different topic. We're going to talk about another way that we can fix all the problems in the world. Oh, there and I'm you putting go. that on you, oh, so you got just a minute to I, think I that through. I got it. Listen, I, there's a one-word answer. Jesus. I want to hear more about that when we come back. Hi, Richard Nelson here with the Commonwealth Policy Center. It's clear that the news media isn't always fair. In fact, there's lots of far-left bias and political gamesmanship. No surprise there. So if you're looking for a perspective that's grounded in the truth of Scripture and our nation's founding principles, then get plugged into CPC's resources. 
Sign up for our e-newsletter at CommonwealthPolicyCenter.org. You can also follow us on Facebook at Commonwealth Policy Center. And we're on Twitter at CPC for Kentucky. Welcome back to the Commonwealth Matters. I'm Richard Nelson here with Ron Hicks, and we just got finished talking about China the hosting the Winter Olympics and their human rights abuses. That really is a difficult situation. We know what the standard of right uh, righteousness is, but as far as uh, dealing with that specific um, situation, I, I was glad we talked about. It. I don't know if we came to a, uh, I don't know if we came to a conclusion of what should be done. I th- I th- if we could figure that out, um, then then the world wouldn't have any any problems. You know that it's uh, when you have two people, you have three opinions. And so, is there an ultimate solution to the world's problems? Yes. Uh, is, is it you? Is it me? Is it my opinion? No. Um, there's only one way, one truth, and one light, and and that's Jesus. And when you live in a society where God allows us to be free moral agents, uh, and and uh, uh, what wh- how whatever your theology is, um, uh, we understand that that uh, there are truths. That the fact that that uh, God the Father draws us, the Holy Spirit convicts us, Jesus Christ saves us, and and outside of a relationship with God through His Son Jesus Christ, we are helplessly and hopelessly lost. We're left our own desires, and the Bible says our ways are not His ways as far as the East is from the West. And so when we get groups of people who don't acknowledge a creator, don't acknowledge the truth of the, of, of the Bible, when they say whatever it is that feels good, do it, whatever you think, whatever your truth is, then that, that's truth. When you add those people with a group of people that says, no, we're not the ultimate authority, we're not the ultimate truth, there is somebody that's higher than us, his laws are written on our hearts and our minds and all, and so uh, we are bound, duty-bound, to be able to follow his ways because he is the, the way and the truth and the life. He has saved us. You get those two entities, they're going to bump heads every single time because they, they're looking, using the worldview terminology, they're looking through different lenses. And so you have to be able to find common ground. So Jesus is the answer, mm-hmm. but part of this equation is acknowledging who we are. Yes, we're not Jesus. <laughs> no, that's right. We're not. Yeah. God. All right. Right. That's very clear. Uh, there was a, a great one of the greatest English writers of the 20th century was G.K. Chesterton. And one of the uh, magazines at the time had this question they put out to the public. And the question was, what is wrong with the world? Submit yeah. your response in so many words. G.K. Chesterton, who was a journalist and author, great thinker, responded and said, uh, he, he, wrote, he, he wrote a letter, Dear Sir, in response to your question about what is wrong with the world, comma, I am. <laughs> Sincerely yeah. yours, G.K. Chesterton. Yeah. Yeah. And one thing he acknowledged yeah. that we find hard to acknowledge today is that we are fallen, frail, limited, finite human beings, Ron. And on top of it, we aren't very humble. What? Uh, well, we're all that, but we can't admit that we're all that. We can't. And we're, we want to be, you know, we've, we've been through this self-esteem movement, if you will. And I look, we need to encourage, we want to build up, but we have this false self-esteem to believe that we're infallible, that whatever we do is right. You mentioned, well, that's my truth. I'm going to yes. live according to my, well, no, there's a truth and, and it doesn't revolve around you. Uh, you might not, in pushing it a little further, you might not agree with gravity, but it's true whether or not you believe you jump it. Jump off a building, it's going to work. It's not only a good idea, it's the law. It is. <laughs> yeah. So so acknowledging our 
fallenness as human beings, our um, limitations as human beings, but then being humble. And that's what Chesterton did. And I think if the world is, uh, has any hope, we need to acknowledge who we are. First of all, we're made in the image of God, which means incredible potential. There's incredibly great things about being made in the image of God. We're creative. We can think. We can speak. We can build with our hands. We can, And God invites us. I love the, the Scripture where God says, come, let us reason together. James says, if anybody lacks wisdom, if anybody lacks an understanding of what to do, ask God. So God invites us to be able to to commune with him, to conversate with him, to be able to, and, you know, all things work together for the good. Not everything's good, but all things work together for the good. So we find ourselves in a horrific situation, whether it's of our doing or somebody else's doing. God says, if you will allow me, if you'll allow me, I can work good even out of a bad situation. So we're in this covenant relationship if, if, if we choose to participate. But if we say, God, I don't need you, I, I'm my own God, then when we make a mess of things, then we turn around and we blame him, or we just simply say, well, he must not exist, because look at the mess in the world, <laughs> you know, when we've rejected him, and then we blame him. Yeah, so we want our cake and we want to eat it too. We want to be right, regardless. And uh, the truth is, is we do live in a fallen world. The fallenness didn't happen from God. It happened when Adam and Eve rebelled and they ate the forbidden fruit, and we're suffering the effects of that today. Well, and, and let's put a finer point on that, to use your expression. The reason that we're facing the effects on that is every single one of us, given the opportunity to eat that fruit, have done so. So we're not paying for their sins, but the sin nature has been passed along. So every single one of us is going to be held accountable for our own sin. Um, and, and so, yeah, it, given the opportunity, every one of us would eat from the tree. So, Ron, if this is true, and I think that aspects of our discussion is evident to everybody, that this world did not create itself. It's evident to everybody that we live in a fallen world. We see good and we see evil. As far as how to fix it, you and I believe that Jesus came to fix everything. He came to make all things new. He came to reconcile all things to himself, things in heaven and things in earth. He came to bring us hope. He came to heal us in our infirmities. He came to forgive us of our sins. He came to reconcile sinful man with a holy God. So this is what we believe, and yet this is a message that the church has proclaimed for 2,000 years. This is You can go to any church on a Sunday morning here uh, in the listening area or across the country, and across the world. you should hear that message. Yes. You, you should hear that. You should hear it. But here's the question. If this is true, why aren't more people, and I want to just limit it to this country, why aren't more people in church? If this is true, what we are saying. In fact, do you know that there are less people in church now than there were just a few years ago? There was a Pew Forum survey done that shows that I believe it's at an all-time low. We live in Christian—we're broadcasting right now from Christian County, Kentucky. The church where I pastor is in Christian County, Kentucky. Um, I'm I'm, I'm rounding numbers off. Um, I think the last census, uh, the population of Christian County was around 80,000. On any given Sunday, by by surveyor's own uh, admission, there are uh, a, 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 around 8,000 people actively involved in any form of worship at all, whether Christian or any religious activity. So um, in a Christian county, less than 10% of people um, and, and uh, are actually involved in a religious worship service. I think with Todd and Trigg and some of the surrounding areas, it was, it was 9, 10, 11 uh, there's some counties in, in the eastern Kentucky region, it's less than 3% are actually uh, involved in worship. And, and we as evangelical Christians believe that 
assembling together is an integral part of living our faith. And, and so, um, uh, in essence, uh, when you're walking down the streets of Christian County, only one of every 10 people that you encounter statistically is going to be somebody who's actively involved in a religious community. Ron, we're supposed to be in the Bible Belt. We're in the South here, by the way. For people that are not familiar with Western Kentucky, we are in the South. Yeah, we need to re- change it from the Bible Belt to a belt loop. Belt loop, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a misnomer, yeah, right? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Remember the outrage when then President Obama said we're no longer we're not a Christian nation. He actually was the first person that stated something that's been true really for 40 years. And we could have a whole discussion on that. There's different aspects of looking at what is a Christian right, nation. Right. That in fact, let's do we need to do a program in the yeah, future. Yeah, we can do that. Sure. Sure. Uh so Ron, we uh we're we're in a loop in the Bible Belt. We believe in these convictions. Uh the world isn't responding. Those who are in the world and yet uh, you know, you think about the big questions of life. Who, who am I? Where did I come from? What am I What's supposed to be purpose? doing? How What's do my, fit in? Yeah. Sure. And where am I going? Yeah. yeah. We do not uh, address those very well, do no. we? No, no. Well, and getting back to kind of where we started this whole Olympic thing, you've got communism has completely different answers to those questions than, than, than either, either Western ideology and, and Western ide- uh, ideology you know, somehow Christianity became synonymous with the American dream, and that's not the truth. So, so you have all these different worldviews, and everybody has a different answer. And then you put all those people together in one room, and 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 you wonder why we don't get along. You know, the fact of the matter is, there is a universal truth. There is, and people who say there is no universal truth that. That declaration is, in fact, the universal. They're making they're making an absolute statement by that. Is what they're doing. That's what I'm saying, right? So, so we have to. The Bible says God has written His laws on man's heart. It's talking about the Jews and the Gentiles. He gave the Jews the law in the Ten Commandments. But every civilization in the world, murder is wrong. Now they have there's different definitions of murder, but however they define murder, every single civilization murder is wrong. Why? Because God has written his laws on people's hearts. So if we acknowledge that. So, Ron, here's, I'm sorry to cut you off. So, so, yeah, no, I'm going to say preach it. We've got just about a minute and a half. Yeah, but, go ahead, man. But uh, I, I would, I'm going to make this proposition okay. that in order for us to say, uh, for the culture to change, we need to be willing to take it outside the church to press on. Here are a couple of thoughts. To press on what are those big questions of life? Where are your answers coming from? And, and to let people think through that. Number two, for Christians to live out the faith, to begin to live out biblical truths. Seek justice, love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. That's what Micah 6, 8 says. Love your neighbors yourself. James says religion the God the Father likes is to minister to the widows and the orphans in their affliction, um, to make a difference. This changes the world when we live out these biblical truths and these admonitions that Jesus gave us. And when we and then we bring the big questions of life into the public arena with humility and with grace, not pounding people over the head, beating it in, but with humility and with grace, just kind of like what we're doing on the program, talking about the tough issues from a biblical basis, addressing and it these says, things. Faith comes through not seeing, but faith comes through hearing. So some people say, live your life. And, you know, if, the, if, if the, your life is the only Bible that they ever see, live your life in such a way that they see Jesus. Look, People who are different are different for different reasons. You know, drug addicts are different. 
It, uh, so we need to live our life in such a way where people see that we're different. Then we got to tell them Jesus. Yeah, that's a good word. Listeners, Jesus. Yeah, thank you, Ron. Good program, brother. God bless thank you. Thank you. God bless you all listening.